Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. All right, welcome. Welcome back. You're listening to 103.4 and Scout. (laughs) 103.4, The Scout. (laughs) Scout has something to say. Yeah. This could go bad or this could go well. Uh, Well, we're podcasting from uh, Pastor Ben's house here again because uh, we're under construction at Victory and Mm -hmm. will be for quite some time, it seems. Um, And we've got Scout here. Our mascot. <laughs> <laughs> she just wants to be around people. That's yeah. what she wants. She's so a people as long dog. as they're around people, it's all good. So, yeah. Well, I'm really excited about today's topics. Annie, what, what's on your mind to start? Yes. So, the queen um, recently passed away. And I, honestly, I've been kind of dreading this day because I knew there was going to be like a lot of pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. And I feel like. That's all the news has been talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, breaking news, cutting in to say the queen lying in state has moved three feet Her casket has moved three feet. And and then we got to cut into breaking news over it. It's like I we there's a lot. There's a lot. So but anyway, um, you know, rest in peace, queen. And so but what I'm seeing on Facebook and other social media platforms is a lot of just um kind of nasty memes about the queen Mm -hmm. things like um she should rot in hell Mm -hmm. um she's a racist um just things like that where you know and i i think the racist thing came from uh when harry prince harry married Meghan markle who i Mm. believe is mixed okay and uh and harry had done an interview with oprah in mm-hmm. which it had come out that somebody in the royal family sure. was discussing what would happen if, if Harry and Meghan had a darker-skinned child, mm-hmm. because obviously that's in Meghan's bloodline. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't know if that's where people are getting the racist thing from or or what. Before we started the podcast, you were mentioning that it seems like... Um, as a society, we're okay with always giving the benefit of the doubt to anyone who's marginalized. But anytime someone may be in a seemingly place of authority, you said, uh, you know, they're free game. You know, whatever we can, we can break them down. We can say whatever we want. It doesn't, there's no limits to that. Right. And so, my, well, my point, my overarching point was I'm seeing these memes mm-hmm. about the queen, you know, being a racist and how she should go to hell. And then I'm also seeing, you know, recently in Milwaukee, there was one police officer accidentally shot another police mm-hmm. officer in the foot. And then all these memes about, haha, that's what you get. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, take that and screw the police and all this. And these these memes are coming from, in my perception and from the people that I know, that are uh, really willing to protect and support people in marginalized positions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's, you know, uh, socioeconomically or, you know, racially. Um, but when it comes to people they perceive to be in power or people that they don't feel have much oppression, it's almost like they're seeking to oppress them. And so I, I don't know why that is. And I, I feel like if you want to value life, if you if you and if you value, 
you know, marginalized people, you should you should value really everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that marginalized groups don't need a little extra support or, uh, you know, boosting or mm-hmm. acknowledgement because I think they do. Mm-hmm. But to completely flip, flip the script and say and just start oppressing mm-hmm. those that you perceive that are in power, because it doesn't matter who you are. You have problems. Right. You know, everybody's got problems to some degree. Mm-hmm. And um, just, you know. They might be different problems, but they're all problems. I think there's or hardships a, rather, you know, I think there's a deeper philosophy that kind of goes behind that. Back in the 60s, Michael Foucault or Michel Foucault, he really talked a lot about this postmodern ethic that he really supported that there is no absolute truth. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> my dog is just trying to get Matt's attention she's, right now. It she's is pushing so, him around. It's funny. It's, it's actually really funny to watch. This is going to force our concentration. I'd like to put her in another room or outside. She'll just bark. So anyways. We, she's very persistent. She's very persistent. She says like if Annie were, a, if it were an animal, she oh, would be Scout. Oh I goodness. love Scouty. So, and, and so what he said is there's no such thing as absolute truth. There's no such thing as morality. All you have left is power struggle. Mm. And so the only thing is le- left is for the to the for the weak to rise up and bring down those in power. And so if you're marginalized, you have as much room or as much um, you know, leeway or right to take down those in power. So he says that's all that's left is, is a power struggle. Mm. And that's turned into uh, the philosophy of critical theory, uh, which is also uh, goes into critical race theory and all those different things. And to a point, there is a truth that like Jesus, he was always going for the marginalized. He always loved the marginalized. And so there, there's something that that's true about that. What's not true is that uh, that marginalized people have the right, or I mean, it, you have the right to just take down anybody in power. Uh just because they're in power. The, well, the Bible right. says something actually different. Is we should also honor those in authority mm-hmm. and lift up the poor at the same time. But I think I do understand that it can be difficult to honor those in authority sure. when they're not acting right. So, yes. you know, we see a lot of episodes of, you know, police brutality and things mm-hmm. like that where it, I can understand how it would be difficult to honor the police when your perception of the police is that they... You know, and and I I don't believe that I certainly believe that that's a minority, but I do believe that it happens. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's there's justification for some of these groups to feel that they can overtake, you mm-hmm. know, these people in authority because these people in authority aren't acting right, yeah. or they're they're you know screwing things up. And I think well, people are human, and so I think that's going to happen. But I think that's why you need an objective idea of right, right and wrong. Right that everybody's put under that, mm-hmm. you know, that we all are put under what, whatever class we're in, whatever marginalized class we're in or, or whatever group we're in to be under the authority of God's law, uh, of right and wrong of morality. And when we do transgress or sin against that, no matter who we are or what authority we're, we're in, uh, that we repent and that we change. And if there's consequences that we face those consequences, um, my problem is, is when you take away morality at all, mm-hmm. take all of it, and it's just about power, then it's all about me controlling you, bringing you down, lifting myself up. And then, you know, it doesn't matter. 
who I take down. If they're an authority, I can take them down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, just because they're an authority. Just because they're an authority. Uh, and, and they're free game. So that's why I think you need an objective morality that we do find in God's word. Mm. I think another um I think another piece of the puzzle is that um someone who is in authority and, and is always in the spotlight mm. um we only hear that they are they are intentionally sort of only giving us the 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 sound bites and the highlights and they want to right they want to clarify a message because they they don't really want you to get to know them mm-hmm. they say they do mm-hmm. But anyone who is in authority and has a, a lot of influence who does anything is doing it ultimately so you like them. Mm-hmm. So if they say like, oh, we're going to have, you know, oh, ask me anything, right? It's like all the questions are going to be kind of planned out and they're going to like be like, oh, well, I live at home with my dog and I have four daughters, whatever it is, you know, um, and it, it's just sort of superficial. It's mm-hmm. just when you're trying to show that someone has a human side, but yeah. that's not what it is. Um, you, If you're the person... kind of behind the microphone and in front of the camera you're controlling the narrative about yourself and you do that on purpose and the fallout is that um you become part of the narrative Mm. and so the people who are watching and listening to you um don't see a whole person they they never have and they never will you're just a piece of the story that um is is kind of I don't know. It's, it's nebulous. It's out there, but mm-hmm. um, you know, we we hear it, the the media kind of takes control, and often it, it gets polarized, and 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 it, you know that's why if that's why when people go to the polls, like you don't, you know, it's very you look at the letter at the end of their name, like that's just part of the story of who that person is. Like, oh, they're part of the Republican side. They they are pro life. They are pro gun. Mm-hmm. They are pro wealthy. Whatever it is, or if they're a Democrat, they're the opposite. But uh, that's that's it. Like when you're when you're a celebrity or or you're in power, you're you're not really seen as a person. So it doesn't take much then for people to dehumanize you and say like, oh, the queen is going to burn in hell, because they obviously don't know the queen at all. Yeah. Right. They right. they just they are just um, seizing on this one or this one flaw that she had and maybe it maybe it happened maybe it didn't but i do think there is a role that leaders are held to a higher standard that it's important that they live uh you know that they uphold their office you know that they're a spiritual leader or a government leader mm-hmm. what the problem is is if if you're seeking out problems in people's lives if you're looking for sin and problems or missteps you're going to find in everybody's life. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wants to be held under that kind of scrutiny? Um, now, if somebody is intentionally using their power to bring down people and hurt people, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, definitely. We need to do everything we can to rise up and bring those people to justice. Particularly, and we see this a lot, like I think with in um, like sexual, uh, oh yeah, you know, like with the the power, the powerful. Typically, it's a man, the powerful, yeah. typically man. We've seen a few yeah. cases of like a woman teacher and things, but, yeah. um, you know, with an intern or something yeah. like that, you know, but right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if they're intentionally looking for ways to harm and take advantage of people. But here's the problem I think that's also happening because of this philosophy that the that we got to bring those in power down. So they look for any kind of misstep, any kind of mm-hmm. sin of weakness, any kind of misspoken word that you can twist. Pounce like, on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if any of us are under that scrutiny, 
we are going to fall. And you could bring mm-hmm. any of us down. And so I think a lot of people are, I think maybe that's one of the reasons that we really struggle to find people who are willing to lead today because, mm-hmm. man, you're, people are just looking for ways to destroy you. <laughs> I'm giggling at the dog again. <laughs> and and, and to, to your point, you know, if, if we can isolate certain people and certain behaviors where we say, no, this is damaging, yeah. um, we should seek to bring those down. The, the problem is, is that um, everyone kind of knows this. So that's the tactic you take is you take every little thing and you make it as extreme as possible. Be like, yeah. it would be wrong of you to not vote this person out of office. Mm-hmm. It would be wrong of you yeah. to not uh, openly uh, or, you know, uh, rebel against this person's rules mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did I just see? Um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence made some some stance like she can't. She's like, I can't be friends with people who say they are not political. She said everything's political. People's lives are at stake. You have to get in there. You have to take a stand. I refuse to be friends with people who say they aren't political. Right. Like, what a mess. I'm assuming she's not a Christian. I would guess. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I didn't read the article. I saw that headline. I saw like a little snippet of it and she's like still struggling just to reconcile with some of her family back in Kentucky, I want to say, yeah, who's like too. Republican or something. It's like, <laughs> Annie's chair has wheels on it and the dog is pushing her around the room. <laughs> this could be our most productive podcast yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, well, and I think I think that's and and listen, I'm I'm not. I I do think that sometimes even you know Christians struggle with mm-hmm. you know landing in a, pol- a particular political party or, or side, and I th- I think it's normal because I do agree. I do think politics, uh, you know, people's lives are at stake and people's well being, and I think you know I, I think it's important to be, uh, at least informed about some of the things that are going on, but I guess you know kind of on a different subject, like, are you, should we vote? I mean. Is it our civic duty to vote, and can you exercise your your right to not vote? Mm-hmm. And is that responsible? And is that you know? I do think because we have cut off our religious uh, kind of foundation, that now it's all up to us, and so we don't look at people as people that we can uh, accept and tolerate, even if they have a different opinion. We have to bring everything to bear it's all relying on us and so like that jennifer lawrence quote is that like people are lives are at stake we have to draw lines in the sand right now we have to make it happen i can't trust that a god is bigger than some of these things and that people's humanity is more important than this um and and this earth is all you have so you got to make it perfect right now take care of it yeah just depressing it's dreadful but yeah, I, I mean, that's all I have on that on that topic, I think. We are continuing a, a sermon series right now called Origins. We're looking at the book of Genesis. And uh, so we're looking at the origin of life. We're looking at the origin of strife and family and, and civilization, also the origin of marriage. And so I, in my research this week, I came across an article uh, from the Institute of Family Studies. And the title of the article was marriage is increasingly an institution of the highly religious and why that might be a problem. And so this guy found out, uh, he, well, he looked at the U.S. Uh, census uh, for the last 20 years, 
And marriages in the last 20 years, especially in the last couple of years, have dropped uh, from back in 2000, uh, there was like 2.2, 2.3 million marriages um, happening that year. And now it's down to like 1.7 marriage. So huge decline. Like if you could see this graph, it's just like, it's like a cliff. It's just dropping off a cliff where people are not seeing the value in marriage anymore. Um, And I think there's a lot of factors in that. At the same time, in his research, he found that those who were getting married were highly religious. They were, those are the, and, and that, that's something that's unique. Uh, you know, people, whether you were secular or spiritual, uh, you know, a couple decades ago, you were still getting married. You still saw the value in marriage, uh, whether you're getting married in the courtroom uh, or, or, or the courthouse, or if you're getting married in a church. And he talks about why that's so dangerous for society or, or, or not good for society. And, he said, um, yet a large national study I published two years ago found this wasn't the case at all. Using recent uh, collective data states uh, showed that millennials were still, in fact, reaping benefits of marriage regardless of their religious beliefs. So he's saying, here are some b- benefits of being married, even if you're not religious. Here are some reasons why you uh, should consider valuing um, marriage. He said... Tax breaks. <laughs> there you go, tax breaks. <laughs> Um, that, that people were more likely to report satisfying and stable relationships uh, compared to millennials of any other types. Uh, more likely to have access to health care, retirement benefits, and insurance compared to unmarried millennials. Reported better health and more regular exercise than those who weren't married and were significantly less likely to report depression than any single millennials. Um, so he just says these... Findings confirm that married couples still reap the benefits of long-term stable relationships that their prior uh, or that their union provides. These financial, emotional, and physical benefits have been documented across multiple data sets and still exist for a rising generation. So, I guess the reason I bring that up is I, I do see that uh, just it, you know in ministry as as I see less and less people getting married, more and more people. You know, trying it out, living together for a decade, and um, and not seeing the value of marriage, and and for some people, marriage isn't for them, and and they're perfectly fine being single, and that's great. Uh, but the people who could and ha- could get married, they're not seeing the value of taking that next step uh, of being committed to to another person, and I think that can be very dangerous uh, for their own health, uh, for their own spiritual health, and I think there's a reason that God designed uh, marriage for, for what it really is, this lifelong commitment that I'm going to be with you, good times and bad, sickness or health, better or worse, um, as long as we both shall live, and the kind of peace and security that brings. So I don't know what you guys thought about that article. I don't know what you guys are seeing, uh, but what, what, what what's your response? Uh, I think in general, um, people are a little bit more cynical and um, less sanctimonious about pretty much everything. So it's like, you know, why we already live together. We've been doing this for like mm-hmm. 10 years. Why, mm-hmm. what's the point of getting married? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Ricky Gervais, the comedian, I think he's had the same, you know, he and his, his girlfriend have been together for like, it's a couple decades, maybe okay. like 30 years. And someone was like, why don't you marry? And he's like, well, we're, why would we? Mm-hmm. 
it's like we're they're essentially married they live mm-hmm. in the same mm-hmm. house they, mm-hmm. they live together for decades but like what's the point mm-hmm. um and i i think that's how i think that's how a lot of people feel it's like why you know like you you can't argue with the divorce rate you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're pledging our lives to each other. Uh, not really, right? Because once you take God out of the picture, the ceremony is just, yeah. what is it? What it, What is the pledge? You're in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. It's like, no, it's it's just health, better, and and richer. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the or. Or what makes me happy, as long yeah. as I'm happy. Right. And- and I, I do think every time I bring this topic up, I think about the people who've had marriages that failed and mm-hmm. it wasn't their fault. You mm-hmm. know, it was, uh, I had a good friend that that said, you know, why would I get married? Everyone I know in my family's divorced. He, mm-hmm. And he was a Christian, but he said, I'm just going to live with my girlfriend because I don't know anybody who's had a successful, quote, successful marriage in my family. Uh, so why, why would I do that? Um, so yeah, I think this is a, a it's a hard sell. Um, to Ricky Gervais, I'm not you're not gonna, you're not gonna sell him on that. I do think there's something incredibly powerful, and I've heard children even get this. You know, lots lots of times I've had people come up to me and say, or it's happened a couple times where a couple's living together, they have children, and they and they said to their parents. Uh, Mommy and dad, why don't you guys get married? Like, there's like an insecurity that the kids feel uh, because their kids are not, because their parents aren't married. So I think there is still something really beautiful about how the Bible portrays marriage as this lifelong commitment that I'm going to stay committed to you no matter what happens to you or what happens to me, um, unless there's unfaithfulness or abuse. Uh, but I'm going to stay committed to you good times and bad, rich or poor, it, it, it brings so much security, so much blessing. And I think about my grandparents watching them in, in their last couple of years when their health was failing, we would go over to their house and kind of help them with some of their needs, especially as they got really sick and staying there, watching them kiss before they went to bed, uh, and just be totally devoted. Although one of them was really failing in health. And I thought that's that's pretty amazing. That's that that kind of security that they brought to the whole family, all of us kids, all of us grandkids, as they continue to to be devoted to one another. So, I I do think it's a shame that it's dropped off and uh, people don't see the point anymore. And I think there's so many factors to that. Well, and I think marriage too. Um, you know, just from a legal standpoint, you know, I mentioned tax breaks. That's, yeah. that's a benefit. But I think it's a lot harder to get out of. Mm-hmm. Um, than just, you know, even even a common law, you know, some states rec- recognize the common law marriage, meaning you've been together for X number of years cohabitating, and therefore mm-hmm. um, sometimes those couples are given the same or similar legal rights when sure. it comes to separation and, you know, division of assets and things like that. So I do think marriage, uh, when, you know, and, and, and it has to be legal. Like you can't just go to the church and be like, I want to marry this person. Like you have to go get a form, like a legal form right, right. and have to Marriage go. License. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a legal, you know, uh, piece of it too. And it's a lot harder to get out of. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, often it's often costly and, yeah. um, you know, attorneys and, and, and that was a, there was a reason for that. Now there is no fault divorce. It's still hard, but it's not as hard as it used to be. 
and, and there was a reason because the state saw that it's so important for children that it, in in if families can stay together, uh, it's so important for them. And so there was a value for the good of the family, but now there's a value for our individual happiness. And so the no-fault divorce is um, it, it's becoming easier and easier for a divorce. Now, again, I, I say that with com- complete like caution uh, because I know there's so many sides. I preached on divorce a, a few, I don't know, a couple months ago and uh, surveyed our congregation and family members and listened to their stories on nobody wanted a divorce, nobody wanted to go through this. And, and those who did, you know, one, one of my family members said, you know, it feels like it's like losing a limb. And even though you might uh, learn to live without it, you still have that loss. So there's so much pain and uh, so many sides to all these stories. So I, I say that with lots of caution. But uh, still, I believe that institution of marriage is a huge blessing. And then finally, what I think is really lost is the gospel. Um, when Jesus comes to this world, he describes himself as the bridegroom and the church as his bride. And Paul describes Jesus as the one who gave himself up for the church uh, to make her holy by cleansing her through the washing of water, uh, through the word, to make her holy and ra- radiant and blameless. And on the last day, it's talked about as the wedding feast of the Lamb. And I think if there's no marriages, there's nothing to point to uh, as that picture of God's love for us, his committed love, that he didn't just check us out and see how long he wanted to to love us. He didn't um, just live with us for a little while on this earth and say, nah, you know, I, I think I can move on to something better. He was completely and is completely committed to us for eternity. So I, I think that's a beautiful picture that's lost in today's society then. He did not make a prenuptial agreement. Yeah, no, no prenup, right? <laughs> We'd all be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And and even there's some dramatic stories in the Old Testament, like the prophet Hosea, who was commanded by God to marry a prostitute. And she continued to be unfaithful. And her name was Gomer. And, and God told Hosea to keep going back to her, keep remarrying her, keep being faithful to her as a picture of God's faithfulness to us, even though we had been unfaithful to him. So... I think those are such beautiful pictures. And when you trivialize it, you know, like a a Ricky Gervais, like, why would I do that? What's the big deal? You miss out on this beautiful picture of of what's God doing uh, in our world. Yeah, and I think it just goes back to if you don't believe in God, Mm -hmm. the ceremony really doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not, I mean, what are you spending a lot of money? (laughs) What are you committing to? You're committing to. I think, like Annie said, for like for as long as it's convenient for you, yeah, you know. And I think that's a connection. To all lots of different things that we do in society, we don't really have commitments to anything anymore. To institutions, I mean, I or think to your phone plan, your phone plan, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to your family, uh, to your church. I think about you know, even in my own heart, it's hard to be committed to things. I, I'm part. I'm a you know person of my own culture that I I don't find the same kind of commitments that my parents did and my grandparents to the institutions, to their mm-hmm. community, to their... And uh, it's really too bad. It's really too bad. So I hope that, uh, that, that we might be able to regain some of the beauty of marriage, uh, that the people who have been wronged or hurt can find healing in the ultimate bridegroom in Jesus. And 
and that the church can can show the world what what love really is. Love is commitment. Love is not just doing the thing that makes me happy, waiting to be completed by somebody, waiting. Um, oh, and one more thing you brought up. Uh, one more thing uh, about uh, you know why why get married? The divorce rate is so high. They've actually found statistically you're more likely to get a divorce if you live together first. Mm. Because when you live together, you know, you have that out. It's always an easy out. And it's hard mm-hmm. to flip that switch once you start, once you get married to think, oh, no, now I'm really committed. Now I'm not mm, going to leave. Interesting. So That makes sense, though. So that's, that's all I want to talk about. I'm praying that, that God gives me the words to preach this sermon. I don't know why I always preach on, I feel like it always falls on my turn to <laughs> preach when it's marriage, sexuality, divorce. Yep. That's, that's intentional. Sex talk. You know, I always like my third sermon here at Victory was the sex talk. And I'm so here we go again. Hope I don't screw it up. God you help got me. this. You, you've, you've done really well with some of these really challenging topics. And I think Bill plans that on. I was going to say, I think so too. Let's talk about that. But yeah, I mean, the sermons are, I mean, on in the same podcast platform. So if anybody wanted to go back and listen to some of these um, sermons that dealt with some heavier topics, I mean, I think you've, you know, yeah, actually, out that, of the park, that sermon will be right after this episode. Yeah. So yeah, That'd be good. you got nothing, huh, Matt? Matt I is fried. He's am, fried. He I looks fried. My, my why don't you just, tell, why don't you just tell us the, the story about what happened to you at, um, no, no? <laughs> I'm not going to tell at that school? story. No, maybe this could relate. Um, so one thing that's been so fascinating, I I have this whoop strap that kind of um shows. Uh, I'm sorry, a what? A whoop strap. It's 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 like cool. It's quick. a a uh, fitness monitor or whatever. It's supposed to kind of look at some of your different heart rates and heart rate variability and your okay. stress and all those things. So it. I was trying to do all the healthy things about a month ago, uh, eat better, sleep more, drink more water, whatever it was. And I was just tanking. I I had the same numbers health wise as when I had COVID Mm -hmm. and taking a vacation. I just made me, and I've had great numbers ever since. And so I think, man, when you are working different stressful jobs, some of the things that you're doing, these kind of intense trying to lead kids, uh, when you do have, you know, to plan that vacation, to plan that, that time off, you really do need to recharge. You can't keep going. I, and I, I think it's even more important than maybe some physical labor jobs. Um, because so many physical labor jobs, I think you work out your stress. Um, yeah. And so my dog is currently (laughs) scratching the door now to get into this. I think too, you know, I think one thing, and something I kind of struggle with too is um, you're switching gears a lot, you know, like when when you're, you're going from teaching and, you know, and I'm thinking about, you know, vacation for Matt, you know, Christmas break. Well, guess what happens at victory during Christmas? It's like peak of the busy season, right? Yeah. And there's no holidays when you do school and church. Right. Right. And so I think that uh, when you have a, when you have multiple jobs or multiple responsibilities where you're constantly switching gears and not just doing the same thing for maybe, you know, eight hours that it's more mentally exhausting. I think you need to look at when the breaks are and plan some serious vacay. Yeah, I yeah. agree. To bring bring your best. All right, show those kids who are bo- who's boss. I I do I do. <laughs> okay, keep it fresh, people.
We done? Oh, okay, bye. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.